Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live. We are back after a week off to talk about all things Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, genre fiction, and anything else that comes up. I am Dan Sunk, the editor at Winter is Coming, and I am here with your name again? I'm Cheryl Wassenaar, Dan. Of Culturist.com. Of culturist, yes. And we're going to talk about all things Game of Thrones. We have some interesting news today, Cheryl. We do. But first, this is a giveaway day. We are going to be giving away your choice of Game of Thrones games or puzzles, courtesy of our friends at fun.com, a little later in the show. So fun.com is great. They've given us access to this kind of cache of, you know, Game of Thrones Risk, Game of Thrones Catan, Catan, these 3D dragon egg puzzles, like complex, that's that's pretty cool, right? That's cool. It's kind of like complex jigsaw puzzles of scenes from the show. I think there's Game of Thrones Monopoly in there. So you'll have your pick if you can answer our trivia question correctly a little later in the show. Yes. Thanks y'all for joining us. Ray, Dan, Renee, Deborah, Tara, Julie, of course, Julie Davies, good to see you. Uh, Aaron, uh, Ismail, good to see all of you. And let's dive into it, Cheryl, because something pretty big happened. Um, well, it's, it's big and it's not. It's... HBO released a sizzle reel mm-hmm. of some of its upcoming shows coming up in the next uh, like year or so. And uh, after waiting for about as long as we waited for the next season of the show to come on, usually, we finally got our first, first official, official footage look at Game of Thrones Season 8. Actual footage from the season, at long last, finally, the downside is it's only three seconds. And there's no dialogue. And there's no dialogue. Still, were you enthused or were you like, calm down people, it's three seconds? Um... I definitely had that moment of calm down people, it's three seconds. And then I'm like, but wait a second, I have to write about this. And then I, I, I ginned up the old hype machine and was like, all right, let's, let's, let us dive deep into what this could mean. And let's the answer is anything. Oh, I'm not sure. Well, we'll oh, talk about it in a second. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, 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 I've worried about Game of Thrones so long now. I, the, the, the hype comes pretty naturally. Like, I actually yeah. was excited, even though this new footage is only three seconds long. And here we see it here. It's basically pretty simple. This is from HBO. John's back at Winterfell, Jon Snow, <laughs> Jon Snow, he's a character on the show, and he uh, <laughs> walks up to Sansa Stark, hugs her, and uh, here's the crux of this new footage, the thing that's kind of interesting, interesting to me. Right. Sansa does not look terribly, utterly pleased, does she? No, she doesn't. This is, uh, it's pretty common visual shorthand when, you know, when someone's embracing someone else and mm-hmm. that and you see that someone has their eyes open, that usually means that they're like not comfortable or they're not feeling any like emotion. Cause you know, you think about it, you know, when you give someone a hug, you usually kind of close your eyes yeah. when you're hugging the person, right? So the visual shorthand of someone not closing their eyes usually means that there's something, there's something missing in the relationship there. I love that. It's like a film school insight. Uh, it's, I didn't go to film school, but I did, I did watch a lot of movies growing up. So close <laughs> yeah. enough. And also, I mean, they, they had a very memorable hug, those right. two, at Castle Black, when they reunited after the first two Starks to reunite. Well, John's whatever. But uh, the first two members of the Stark coming to reunite after years and years and years. One of the great moments of season six, when they see each other at Castle Black, and they kind of have that long, drawn-out, dramatic moment, and the music swells, and Sansa rushes across and throws her in her arms. That was, they both closed their eyes at that moment. They did. So yeah, it's definitely notable here that yeah. she's opening her eyes, and she almost has like a Stanley Kubrick lowered brow, <laughs> like a Alex and Clockwork Orange. I mean, not quite that far, but like an intense 
she's gazing at something intently. Yes. So yeah, I, it's 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 a nice little tease, I think. It is. And it, it gives you a lot, even though it gives you literally three seconds. <laughs> yeah. So okay, here's my question to you, to you, Cheryl, and everybody out there. Yes, Dan. Um, if Sansa is indeed a little um, feeling intense, or maybe not feeling entirely comfortable, why? Like, what is she looking at? Um, my guess that I was kind of working on when I wrote about it for Culturist mm-hmm. um, was that she's not happy because she might have gotten word about what happened with John bending the knee. But she already knows about it. Oh, that's recall. right. She does already know about that. But she she's not happy to see him kind of coming back with the new boo in tow. Um, you know, Sophie Turner has... <laughs> boo. I just got that. Okay, yeah, there we go. Um... Fall is coming, you guys. Pumpkin spice lattes are out now. So I thought you were missing bow. Nope. Like, no. Boo. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I, th- you know, Sophie Turner's been talking about it, and she says, you know, Sansa, we see her as kind of this fully grown leader mm-hmm. in the start of season eight. She and, has indeed. Uh, so <laughs> for her, depending on what her perspective of a leader is, she might be really grumpy at John for basically not choosing not to lead anymore kind of signing away his right to be king in the north right i mean if he's beholden to a queen he's no longer king in the north really no he's a vassal he's like a warden of the north really quick people have some great suggestions uh ernie l lynn says she's looking at Tyrion. doubt we have enough wine (laughs) carrie thinks it's drogon which could be i don't know i think if it would be a dragon it would be less like narrowed clockwork orange look and more like eyes wide as saucer plates, jaw on the throat. Yeah, something like that. And she's kind of looking down. I mean, Sophie Turner's taller than a ton of people on the cast. She is, good but point. I don't know if she would look at Tyrion like that exactly. Though. No, there's no reason to. No. Most people think it's Daenerys, that she's looking over John's shoulder at this strange blonde-haired woman <laughs> with her weird Dothraki handmaidens in her fantastic white coat, I'm assuming. And probably thinking, okay, this could be a problem. <laughs> and I think I, I think that, that that's a, that's a very good guess. Yeah. Um, and I, I think she does have some reason to be a little perturbed. You know, she had difficulty in season seven. Remember, all the lords didn't want John to go to Dragonstone. They were like, "This is the daughter of the guy that we fought a war to get off the throne, and now we're going to ally with her. Is that a good idea?" You know, they've heard stories about Daenerys. Uh, feeding masters to dragons, about her executing summarily the Tarleys, that kind of thing. She has a bit of a rep, and the Northerners and the Vale people inherently mistrust Targaryens. And Daenerys is like the Targaryen to end all Targaryens. So I, I'm I'm thinking she's worried that there's going to be culture clashes, that the Northerners' soldiers are not going to be able to work well with Daenerys's unsullied and Dothraki people. And that it's going to be counterproductive. That, that, that's why I think she was worried about. And yes, that she's upset that John would uh, cede his power when, you know, after all she's gone through, I think Sansa has a very, like, a need to feel secure. Like, she felt insecure for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, ever since then, she's wanted that. I think that's why she's wanted to be the Lady of Winterfell, to kind of make sure I know I'm in control and I have authority. Because, I mean, she got a taste of what it wasn't like to have that, and it was bad. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's unpleasant. I'm seeing a comment uh, from Kathleen mm-hmm. saying, are we sure that it's him hugging Sansa? It looks pretty clearly to be oh, yeah. Jon Snow from the back. I mean, like I said, Sophie Turner's taller than pretty much everyone. Um, but the height difference is not that big in the hug. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty clearly Jon Snow. Oh, yeah. I mean, also, you know, they unless they like cut together two different shots it was yeah. him going in for a hug and then her being hugged right that, that would be some dirty pool on hbo's part if they just kept it something else yeah um let's see blah, blah, blah. uh karen says sansa is looking at danny and her dragons thinking how her family was burned alive at the hands of danny's family which again yeah this this is juicy conflict here i'm looking forward to it so am i I mean, again, we talked about this. Somehow I think she'll get over it. I mean, if, if the White Walkers come knocking and the dragons are what's going to save you from annihilation, you might come around. But then again, like, part of me is like, yeah, let's, let's dive into that. Let, let, let's have the Targaryens fight the Starks. That'd be great. Part of me is like, oh, yes, give me all the drama. But part of me hmm. actually wants them to work together. In a lot of ways, they've kind of <laughs> gone through not the exact same journey but they've had similar journeys they throughout really kind of have, yeah. the show you know they're they're both married twice mm-hmm. um although technically no married twice in the book sort of um it's a long story but you Was know danny, oh danny yeah okay yeah, yeah, does yeah, never mind, twice, yeah. married twice in the books she in doesn't know the show no yeah I, I'm not sure. Well, this kind of getting it was off track, close enough. but like it's getting it, we're getting a little. The I don't know if she was there. engaged to his Darzo Lorak in the show or married him. Either way, he died. So. Yeah, you know, poor choices. In, in the men. book, she definitely marries him. Yes. In the show, it's kind of unclear whether they were just engaged or married. But this yeah, is, yeah, beside the point. Come on. Yeah, a little in the weeds there. Um, <laughs> but you know, they've had these parts of their lives where they're in power mm-hmm. and where they're not in power. And they start from places of helplessness. Right. And, and they, they kind, kind of build up. Right. They have their kind of teachers along the way, mm-hmm. often male teachers. Littlefinger teaches, is the one who's teaching Sansa. And Cersei and Marjorie, And, and then Cersei for and Daenerys, he got Drogo and Jorah mm-hmm. and uh, Tyrion. Yeah, Masande a little bit too, yeah. in some ways. Ferris um, and Selmy. On me. And so I think they have more common ground than they think they do. Yeah, I agree. I'm just concerned that the show either won't see that or will kind of forego that interesting connection that they have in order to just show them kind of catfighting. I mean, I think, I yes, mean, I, 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 I can go with that. I get behind that. I also think it's interesting that, I mean, j- just because people have things in common doesn't mean they can see past those things and actually connect. Right. Like, um, I think there's a difference between a cat fight, which is kind of a diminutive way to say two women in conflict, and, you know, I mean, an honest difference of opinion that can lead to right. drastic consequences. Right. Although, I, I'm thinking that they will come around to each other. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the show really has interest or time in uh, drawing out a conflict as much as I might want them to. Yeah, I mean, I chose cat fight pretty pretty good reason i like to think anyway the show doesn't always do nuance so well so it what they might think is a super nuanced take Mm -hmm. might look like catfighting to pretty much everyone else so you know but again i mean i i i i do think that sansa has good reason to be suspicious like i said oh she does like again like this part of the game of thrones that i like especially in the books and the show is that the importance of history that Mm -hmm. these conflicts don't go away because some time passes or you have a child right like 
you know, Daenerys' dad killed a lot of these people's husbands, fathers, sons, or they fought against their dad themselves. Now they, they live to tell about it. You don't forget that. It's kind of like, you know, I, I, I don't want to get political, but the whole, you know, aspect of like, there's no racism in America anymore, as if that kind of just like goes away in a generation. I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. Like, uh, old conflicts don't go away. So I think it'd be interesting to explore that, but I'm curious to see where they'll go with it. So am I. So what do you guys think? Yes, tell us everything. Yeah, pretty much people think it is uh, Danny, but also Arya. I'm not sure she'd stare that, glare that uh, intensely at Arya, unless they like have a fight between now and when that happens. It's possible. They were getting better. They were. <laughs> no, she's looking at Arya like, all right, we're going to have to get rid of this one now. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, get your knife out. <laughs> Arya is everybody. It's, now there's your tinfoil theory of the day. That would be juicy. All right. Move on from that. Pretty good stuff. But um, So now that we have our first footage, we also have hints about when we're going to be able to see it in its proper form. Yay. It's okay. We're, we, we don't have an exact date for the premiere yet, but we do are getting more hints. So James... Hibbard of Entertainment Weekly, who is kind of EW's go-to Game of Thrones guy and has lines that we do not have and we wish we had to people who are actually involved, said that uh, HBO expects the show will air all of its episodes in time for the 2019 Emmy eligibility cutoff. And after some delightful information hunting on Emmy rules, I found out that's May 31st. Yes which means that all six episodes have to air before that for that to be true, which means that if, that's, if this is the case, then the latest they could air Game of Thrones Season 8 is Sunday, April 21st, 2019, which is Easter Sunday, which is actually... I'm not sure they would do that. They would totally do that. Are you kidding me? You think they would? That would be so funny. <laughs> I, mean, East, I mean, Game of Thrones has aired episodes on holidays before they've I, I believe they've done it on mother's day i believe they've done it on father's day um that's true i'm pretty sure they've done at least one episode on easter too actually you're probably right i mean it is right around there yeah oh you're right maybe they wouldn't care about that <laughs> i mean there's definitely uh, uh, um uh, there's definitely something humorous in airing the long-awaited return of a show on a holiday that celebrates the resurrection resurrection <laughs> Um, I mean, I can see the humor in that, but my sense of humor is a little weird, to put it nicely. Um, I, they would totally do that. Like, and I think it would also be kind of a little pointed prod at the Television Academy to literally finish the season on the deadline uh, or around <laughs> right the deadline. There. Like, we did it, okay? I Give mean, us our hardware. Nobody cares, but I also found out that you can have like two episodes hang over the deadline and they're That's still correct. getting grandfathered in. That's correct. You have to air the bulk of your episodes yes. in a season before the deadline. <laughs> I looked that up. I like wrote it wrong and then like had to correct 18 things. But I got uh, there. Yeah. They're, they're esoteric. But anyway, that's a window. So they yes. wanted to be eligible for 2019 Emmys. So that means that we're looking at sometime in April or before, basically. Yes. Maybe early May if they want to go with that hangover thing. Uh, I mean... The April-May window is relatively open these days. Hmm. For, uh, yeah, I mean, 
a lot of shows, network television especially, not that HBO really cares because Game of Thrones I was going to say, suck. like, it, will suck it doesn't up matter if Game air. of Thrones is airing opposite right. something else or by itself. Right, it, it, does, it doesn't matter, but it's a sure bet to get eyeballs. the majority of eyeballs. You know, people aren't going to be writing about 8 million other TV shows at the same time. Like, right. it's going to be Game of Thrones, maybe some stuff on the CW because that usually goes into May these days and all that stuff. And so there's less uh, competition. Again, not that HBO really cares anymore because this is the eighth season of Game of Thrones and it's going to be watched a lot. <laughs> but to get the extra media attention, I think. Yeah. I mean, not that Wick necessarily has a problem with that, but you know, for a site like Culturist, where we're covering all kinds of TV all the time, you know, if it's airing in that window, we have more time to write about it. Not that I'm not going to write about Game of Thrones pretty much every day while it's on the air. It's kind of build. Yeah. And we're looking forward to that. And uh, for what it's worth, the just talking about release dates, mm-hmm. the Chinese translator for A Song of Ice and Fire said that it is very likely that The Winds of Winter will come out next year. But honestly, I don't we spend much time on that. I don't know if it's true or not. Join the crew of Shooting in the Dark, dude. Dirt at the board. Go with you. All right. Well, that was a good discussion, Cheryl. It was. A lot of ground there. Um, Before we get to our games and puzzles giveaway momentarily, we have a bit of an exclusive uh, treat for you. Well, let's not oversell it. Um, (laughs) At Con of Thrones, which was the Game of Thrones convention earlier this May in Dallas, which is a lot of fun. Um, I talked to a lot of I, loved, I talked to a lot of uh, Game of Thrones cosplayers, Game of Thrones, uh, fans who were there. I got to talk to some actors. It was a lot of fun. I talked to um, one person who was dressed up as the Night Queen, very good costume, who uh, gave me some behind-the-scenes info. It's pretty interesting. I thought you might enjoy it. Let's roll the tape for my interview with the Night Queen at Con of Thrones. What does she have to say? Let's find out. What? Okay. Never mind. Um, the point was I talked to somebody who told us that uh, Paula Fairfield, the Game of Thrones sound designer, basically recorded the screams of Game of Thrones fans and then mixed them into the roar of Viserion the Ice Dragon, which is pretty cool, right? That's great. It's pretty nice. That is great. Sound design is so interesting, um, you know, because it's like, you know, Chewbacca is like a walrus mixed with some other stuff and, you know, all this wild nonsense, but Viserion, the... The ice dragon is people. As it's the, people, yes. It's, it's great. Yeah, it's fun. I, I also like that the crew in Game of Thrones like does, it's just, they're, like, they're, they're free to kind of do that quirky thing. Yeah. Like, and just kind of, if that's what they want to do and follow their passion, they go do it. Exactly. All right, Jill, any other thoughts on the latest news of the day? No, I'm excited for the show. Uh, before, uh, oh, I better ask my giveaway question now then. That's right. What is the Kamchatka Game of Thrones risk? What would be the Kamchatka? Would it be like the Riverlands? No, because you get entries from both ways. I don't know, but Australia would be Dorne. Anyway, um, let's do <laughs> our Game of Thrones giveaway. We are giving away your selection of Game of Thrones games or puzzles, courtesy of our friends at fun.com. We got Risk. We got Jigsaw puzzles. We got 3D Dragon Egg puzzles. We got Settlers of Catan. We got Monopoly. There's more than what's available there, too. There's a whole page of it. And you can get the opportunity to select one to take home to get mailed to you, assuming you live in the continent of the United States. Um, and the way we do this around here is I'm going to ask a Game of Thrones-themed trivia question. 
You guys are going to email your answers to me at dan.selke at winteriscoming.net. Assuming the comments are on uh, the screen. And the first person to get the answer correct um, wins. You get to select what you want. I'll get in contact with you. You'll give me your name and address. Um, and then if everything goes well, then you get your selection. So why don't we ask the Game of Thrones trivia question, Cheryl? Let's do it. Dan. Whoever gets it right wins the prize. This one's a little easier than last time. All right. Okay. Melisandre, red priestess lady, likes fire, burns kids. Where <laughs> does she come from? Name Melisandre's hometown. She hails from this town on Essos, far to the east of Westeros. What is the name of the city that Melisandre calls home? I'm not sure she was born there 100%, but she definitely, it's where she's from. It's Melisandre of blank. What is the name of that city? Email it to dan.selkie at winneriscoming.net and you get the right to choose which Game of Thrones themed puzzle or game to make your very own. Good luck, everyone. Good luck, everyone. I, I do know the answer to that one. I do know the answer to this one. Yeah. That was not um, bad. And now I'm wondering if maybe part of Essos is Kamchatka. So now I have to go <laughs> do some research on Game of Thrones risk. Exactly. Yes. Do you um, tap the window and see if Josh Hill is able to come over for sort of Song of Dan and Josh? I will go summon Josh Hill. Thank you. Uh, hold the line, Dan. Well, in the meantime, um, we're going to have Josh Hill on for a continuing segment we call A Song of Dan and Josh, where we go through every chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire, break it down, see what makes it work, what doesn't make it work. Um, before that, though, of interest, we are actually having a new kind of uh, effort on at WIC at Winter is Coming uh, to bring you more Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire content. We're going to keep doing everything we already do, but there's also going to be a new thing called the Wick Club. Every week, we're going to record an extra episode of Take the Black Live. We're going to write extra columns, and we're going to do more giveaways. Right now, we're going to give away a uh, Game of Thrones Season 1-7 to 7 complete home Blu-ray box set. Uh, it's called the Wick Club. You can read about it at winnerscoming.net. It's working on Patreon, so... How it works is you would donate a certain amount of money, like, like say a dollar a month, and you get entered into these monthly giveaways. So donate a dollar for September, you get entered into a giveaway for this Game of Thrones season one to seven Blu-ray box set. It's a new thing we're doing, hope you like it, and we'll have more of that in the future. But for now, we're here to welcome Josh Hill for more of a song of Man and Josh. Josh, mm -hmm. how are you? I am good. I'm a member of the Wick Club, so now I feel are you? extra special. Would you pay? I did. I paid twice because I was so excited about it. Are you joking or did you actually do it? No. I want to watch the live stream of you drinking wine, yeah, talking we, about we, we things. We also have that. That's fun. At the top level of the Wit Club, <laughs> you get to go in a live stream with me while I drink and talk about Game of Thrones, fantasy, anything else that comes up, which might get pretty loose depending on how much I drink. <laughs> so we'll see how fun that is. All right. More of that on later. Josh, um, how did you... Enjoy the chapter we read for today. I believe Catlin it is Catlin X. Catlin X. Catlin X. It was good. Extreme. It was uh, a different way of presenting a battle, I think, and that was nice. How so? Because like first, just like what what happened in this chapter? So this is we're still on a Game of Thrones first book in the series, yeah. and we've reached Catlin Ten, aka the Jamie gets captured chapter. The Jamie gets captured chapter. And Rob outsmarts Finally. the Lannisters chapter. Rob. 
wise beyond his years chapters. So it's the whole, we start with the battle, we're in the middle of the battle or whatever, mm-hmm. we're kind of working on that. And then, long story short, Catelyn doesn't actually go because it's from her perspective. Rob outsmarts everybody, captures Jamie, and this is how, I mean, I remember this from the show too. But yeah, this, yeah, this, this is more from the show what happened. Yeah. What do you mean when you say this is a different way to do a battle? Because we heard the battle more so than we saw the battle, which yeah. is interesting to me. Because we've seen or read George R. R. Martin <laughs> present battles in different ways from like the, ver- the prologue even was kind of a battle where it was a very yeah. elaborately described moment. With like you saw, you heard like the, uh, you know, the ice things coming down. Yeah. The were, yeah. The people. And then with, the, with, with Ned, there was a chapter where there was, there was a very brutal battle there. And then we, of course, we had the Tyrion. Julie says hi, by the oh, way. That's right. Hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I forgot. You did. I did. But it's okay. We'll forgive you. Go oh, on. I'm sorry. Um, no, so we, we, we saw a battle with Ned that was very brutal, and then we saw the, the Jamie, Tyrion yeah. and Tywin. I mean, it was, it, it, it was just last chapter that Tyrion was impaling horses yep. uh, with his spike hat yeah. and dodging arrows and being in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. And now we have a battle right after that one. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it's, it's not at all like that. It's heard and not seen, which is not really a way I've ever read a battle in a book before. Where no? it, it's from the perspective of somebody who's not there as it's playing out in real time and massive events are taking place where yeah, like the brother of the enemy family is, is taken captive. Like it's, that's to me, it was very interesting. And again, not that I need to say that or I'm the first person to say it, but it goes <laughs> to show how great George R. R. Martin was at crafting this story. This is what happens when you think about it your whole life. You've come up with these really cool concepts. Yeah. I'm so. going to read a little snippet of it just to, to give the idea of this, the battle of the whispering wood. Which is, again, from Catelyn's perspective, she's not in it because she's not a fighter. Mm-hmm. She's just hearing it from a distance. And it's at night. Yeah. Which is interesting, too. She heard hoofbeats, iron boots splashing in shallow water, the woody sound of swords on oaken shields and the scrape of steel against steel, the hiss of arrows, the thunder of drums, the terrified screaming of a thousand horses. Which is, that, that, that's actually a lot of auditory <laughs> adjectives right there. Yeah. He, he really lined them up, which is nice. Um, I also like how it's at night, so they, they talk about, like, the silver moonlight coming mm-hmm. through a lot, how it kind of, Jamie's hair turns different colors depending on like the time of day it is. Mm-hmm. It, it has sort of a, a very quiet, and I feel like the word dreamlike is overused mm-hmm. a lot, but it did feel dreamlike in yeah. some way for this huge action to be happening, but for it to be so silent in mm-hmm. a way and to be so muted because she's yeah. not involved in any of it. It was, it was a unique way from a battle. He's, he's, Martin has said that he did this on purpose, mm-hmm. that the last chapter was Tyrion in the thick of the Battle of the Green Fork, and yeah. it was like, you were there, and you were, there's arrows all around, and instead of hearing things, he's feeling things, mm-hmm. seeing things, being terrified, running, getting his face smooshed into the ground. I keep going back to the horse thing with the, with the <laughs> yeah. head, because it's just, it, I, it's memorable. Yeah. Getting splashed with blood, and he's like, okay, I gave you that kind of battle, this time I'm going to give you a different perspective, because I don't want it to get boring. Mm-hmm. And there's another battle that we don't even see at all. There's a battle where Jamie defeats uh, Catelyn's brother Edmure at River Run, and yeah. we just play him just here about the second hand, like, oh, he he, he defeated him. Mm-hmm. So he gives us three different battles, three different ways, and the idea is not be redundant. You think it works? Yeah, I I, I like it for that very reason. It's not redundant. <laughs> there's no redundancy here. There's so no redundancy here. Yes. There's again just the interesting way of presenting a battle from the literary sense here. It's very mm-hmm. interesting to me. So. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Julia says she's probably thinking that she could do it all better. 
<laughs> I'm not sure, but we know that Julie's not a big fan of Catelyn, which That's is okay. That's true. That's true. Um, I, I, I thought it was a unique way. And, and instead of uh, getting all the sensory descriptors of what it's like to be cut at, the, the, the first several pages are just kind of Catelyn ruminating mm -hmm. on her life. And there's this pretty long passage about how her life has been a series of waiting for things. Like she waited for her father when he was, she was a kid and he mm -hmm. went off to quarter battle. She waited for her fiancé, Brandon Stark, when he went down to King's Landing and got killed real good by Aerys Targaryen. She waited for uh, Ned Stark when he went down south to fight mm -hmm. Robert's Rebellion. Now she's waiting for Rob as Rob yep. goes off and fights the battle and she's back here waiting. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a perspective that I, I, I think it, part of the reason it, it, hits, it hits well is because you wouldn't think to show something this intense from a person whose job is to wait for things. Mm -hmm. Like, usually, if you're the kind of action person, you want to go in there and be in the thick of things. And it really does give it a different sort of feel. I, I, I just I like the tone of it. I like the tone of this battle. It does, and it makes me feel bad for Catelyn, too, mm -hmm. because it does feel like she's on the outskirts of all I mean, of these is, things yeah. that's happening. Like, the most interesting, as far as, like, getting her hands dirty in a battle type of thing, is when she had captured Tyrion, and that whole thing yeah. was going on. And really, that was... So that's a stark difference to stark, stark difference to oh, always happens to, to the way that she's presented almost everywhere else, where it's she's on the outside of all of these things. She's waiting. She's mm -hmm. not in the battle. She has to wait and hear the battle. And then Rob comes back with the plot. She's literally just standing on the side of the story, thinking about her life. And I think that's maybe a commentary from Martin on like, you know, female characters. Yeah, in the, the role in of women books. in, in the, these medieval times yeah like you're not going to be in the battle unless you're brand of tarth like you're going to wait that's what you do and it also highlights again which is what karen basically said which is a great comment yeah and it highlights too aria how she's tough as nails and she's mm -hmm. she's the polar opposite of standing on the outskirts so it kind of adds weight to that as well in it's not for everybody. here's catlin standing out here and then aria rolling around in the mud right in terms of the plot like you said jamie gets captured mm -hmm. that's big that, that, that's, this is kind of the first thing that's like, someone's finally going right for the good guys. <laughs> yeah. And in two chapters, Ned dies, so he cuts, pulls that rug out from under us real damn quick. Yeah. But it, it is nice to see. And um, I feel like we, we don't really know Jamie well enough yet mm -hmm. to like have this be hugely important. No. Like, I remember in the show and the book, like I read it and I was like, oh, they captured him, that's nice. But I don't know, I, I don't hate Jamie enough at this mm -hmm. point. I don't know him well enough to really get like super enthused about it. Yeah. Even like the descriptions of, you know, the way that the hair changes and the different kind of lights and stuff like that were really not poetic. I like meant that. to think of Jamie in a derogatory way or in a bad you way. Think? Like the way he's been described, aside from the incest, I mean, it's just a massive asterisk. Um, Big old asterisk. There's really, and the brand count pushing. That, yeah, but aside from that, like we haven't I don't like really him, been, but he hasn't really been portrayed developed, really, I'd say. in a way that's gross or in a way that's like we're supposed to, he's definitely a villain there's this, this even like you the think? flowery ways that like his hair changes and the, the color of his hair changes in the battle in the moonlight and this kind of stuff it, it it feels like there's an underlying current of we shouldn't totally hate this guy there's romantic mm. elements to him whereas like cersei we very much have had her described as hmm. somebody we're not supposed to like she has an agenda she's going from x y to z yeah, pretty clear whereas jamie it's a little more there's there's a little more leeway, I, I think, in the way that I've read the character Fair to enough. say we shouldn't totally hate him. He's clearly not a good guy, 
But maybe it's because I've seen the show and I know there's this redemption arc that's coming, but uh, maybe I'm, I'm looking for it. But it does feel like the way that he's described is in, is in very stark contrast to Cersei and to Joffrey and to these other characters who are very clearly identified as villains. Interesting. Does anybody else think that uh, Jamie, the child-pushing <laughs> sister sexing person, is pretty much a good guy at this point? Sound off. <laughs> I know it's probably totally valid. Um, I... I, I I just don't think that, that that I really know him terribly mm-hmm. well, and it's hard to feel one way or another about him yet. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he develops as a character in a huge way down the line. Um, a couple other notes about this one. It's a pretty short chapter, yep. really, but um, nothing wrong with that. Um, we meet one of the Mormont women, Daisy Mormont, a lanky six-footer who had been given a Morningstar, and age most girls were given dolls. Mm-hmm. So there are women in the battle, but it's... Yeah. it's Depends on where you grew up. Yeah. And this first, you know, prestige with people like Leanna Mormont, the little yeah. girl who is the fan favorite of everybody who just tells it like it is. So that's mm-hmm. the kind of women they have in that family, which is a nice little uh, tease there for that. Um, I like Theon Greyjoy's bit, his, his little insert here. He's in the battle, and when it's done, he's just all starry-eyed and sane. But such a battle, said Theon Greyjoy eagerly, and then he kind of brags about how great they were and how many prisoners they took. And it's just... Knowing where Theon goes and just the difference between the cocky jackass he is here and what will become mm-hmm. is uh, another stark contrast. <laughs> and uh, any other things you noted from this chapter, Josh? No, not really. It was a very short chapter. It was. It was a brief one. It's another one of those where it's kind of packed full of information. Like the very, very big plot developments. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, I guess, packed full of information, but packed full of, uh, of moving the story forward here. Stuff you could use. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're rarely... Um, not dense. They're always dense, these mm, chapters. Yeah. It takes a while to write. That's why it takes a damn long to write this stuff. <laughs> anyway, next week, let's do the next Daenerys chapter. Yes. I forget uh, which number it is, but it's a Daenerys chapter after Catelyn 10. And then I think the chapter week after that is going to be for Ned. Going to be a good time. And you can join us next week at Wednesday at 4 p.m. Thanks for everybody who you watched and who participated in the uh, the giveaway. Hope you got. Hope somebody wins. And uh, Amber says that Jamie is no Ramsey. LOL. I agree wow, with that. That's very. <laughs> that's like the lowest of low bars, though. And Julie, his big chance comes comes after meeting Brienne. She definitely mm-hmm. does. Anyway, we'll be back next week, uh, Wednesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. More Game of Thrones news. More Song of Fire discussion. More genre. Uh, discussion also (laughs) and we will see you then thanks for watching guys